kidding. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good to uh, see you today. Good to have you in church uh, this morning. We are starting a brand uh, new series called Full Steam Ahead. And the series is about how in the midst of this season we just came out of, uh, we as a church, we as individual believers need to never give up. Never lose heart. And now we need to cling to the promises of God more than ever. So, so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about moving full steam ahead. You know, it's a universal symbol when two armies are going at it and one of them begins to wave the white flag, right? You, you know what that means, right? It means they're giving up the fight. They're, they're admitting defeat. They are surrendering. I, I don't know if that's the way it is in real wars, but in the movies, that's what happens, right? It, it's the white flag. You also see this in, in boxing or in mixed martial arts, right, as well. When one of the fighters is too beat up to continue, what do they do? They throw in the towel. It means you win, right? No mas, no mas. For those of you that are old like me, you remember that. At some point, we talked a little bit about this last week. You and I will have the opportunity to toss the towel in the ring in some area of our lives. Right? Your marriage? Your work? financial goals, weight loss goals, even in our effort to live the Christian life. We can just reach that point where you say, that's it, I'm done. And then we move on to something else, or maybe we move on to nothing else. Warren Wiersbe, a Christian commentary writer, wrote a book called Too Soon to Quit. The book was published when he was 80 years old. It's not the last book that he wrote before he went to be with the Lord at age 89. You could say that Warren Worsby lived out the book's message. And I don't know about you, but I agree with him in any good and worthy endeavor. It's always too soon to quit. There will be challenges, but you just got to power through. Anybody see the Mariners last night? All right, 8-1, bottom of the sixth. I just power, just never too soon to quit. There's something else that is equally worse as throwing in the towel. You, you, you know what it is? It, it, it's when the devil can get you to quit. And he'll try to convince you to do this. He, he will try to get you to think about it, contemplate about it, obsess over quitting. And I'm not talking about just that thought that's really not a reality of turning in your two-week notice from the job that you're in. I'm talking about the day-to-day -day dreading of every detail of a situation that, that you secretly start to plan your escape. If the enemy can get you to quit, 
He'll do his best to get you, or if he can't get you to quit, he'll do his best to get you to the point where you'll want to quit and those thoughts prevent you from giving it your all. See, if Satan can't destroy your marriage through divorce, he'll seek to destroy it through apathy and hopelessness. If he can't get you to quit your job or or ministry or, or going to church, he'll try to get you to quit caring and quit trying. If he can't defeat you, then he will try to deflate you. The Bible refers to this as losing heart. The phrase appears about a half a dozen times in the New Testament, and every time as an exhortation to keep on keeping on. So guess what? When you're involved in a worthy endeavor, it is always too soon to quit. It's too soon to even think about quitting. It's too soon to despair or to lose heart because God has not finished the work that he began in you. And I get it. None of us are immune to discouragement. Right? We all know what it's like to want to give up. We might not be immune to it, but we're not powerless against it either. There's a way to conquer the will to quit. With that in mind, as we start our series, Full Steam Ahead, which is designed to help us not to lose heart, to to help us not to be discouraged, the purpose of the series is to keep us from not only throwing in the towel, but even from thinking about it. For the majority of the series, we're going to be looking at three verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out. Turn 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll look at some other scriptures as well. The book of 2 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul. And if anybody had a, a reason to lose heart, it was him, right? His life pretty much consisted of an overwhelming challenge uh, after another. Like they just came, boom, boom, boom. For example, on five different occasions, he was beaten with a whip, 39 lashes each time. You know why 39? Because when you get to 40, conventional wisdom says you die at 40 lashes. Once he was pelted with stones and left for dead, three times shipwrecked. Once he spent day and night drifting around like Tom Hanks and cast away at, at, at sea. He was also betrayed by his so-called friends. He was the target of religious hypocrites and a hostile government. He was criticized amongst the churches as well. Point is, his life was not easy. I don't know about you, but I'd given up after, you know, the first meal that I missed. I'm done, right? Paul refused to quit. He, he refused to even think about quitting. He would not, he could not lose heart. And guess what? Neither should we. And I know we think things are getting bad, but I got to tell you this morning, it is far too soon to even think about quitting. Let's look at these three verses that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. It says this, so we do not lose heart. 
Though our outer self is, is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For the light momentary affliction is preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are, are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Today we're going to drill down on verse 16. Where we're going to clearly see the, the first crucial step in overcoming the temptation to give up. There are three don't lose heart moments that we all will face and that we all will have to conquer. Go ahead and take your note sheets out. You can follow along with me this morning. The first one is this life is a daily event. And by daily event, I mean daily challenge. And you might even say it's a daily battle. That those that deal with chronic disease or chronic pain or, or depression, right, you know what I'm talking about. It's a challenge every single day. And I know it might be obvious to most of us that life is a daily event, but, but how many times do we catch ourselves thinking that someday we're going to get to the point where we can just kind of put it in cruise control? Right, you, you know the time in life when you've conquered all your problems and life is constantly like the last five minutes of a feel-good movie, right? That, that place. Like, life doesn't work that way, does it? Like, it's probably never going to happen. You never get to the point where you can say it'll be smooth sailing from here on out. Right, life is a daily battle. Paul acknowledges this in the first letter of the Corinthians Chapter 15, verse 31, he says this, I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day, he says. Paul's life was lived on the edge for Jesus Christ that he could say, I die daily. His life was always on the line. There were always people out to kill him. And then it's important to understand here, that when Paul says, I die daily, I don't think here he's speaking about the spiritual identification with the death of Jesus. He's not talking about the spiritual putting uh, to death of the flesh. I, I think he's writing here uh, of this constant, fast approaching danger to his physical life. I think it's important and useful for Christians to daily reckon themselves dead to sin with Jesus Christ, right? Romans 6, 11, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. But, but I think to use that statement and, and apply it here, I, I think that's, that's a misapplication right here. I think in this context, Paul is writing about the danger to his, his physical life. He's saying, in effect, that the troubles come every day. And he's pretty extreme here. Let me try to apply it for us a little bit. If your objective is to lose weight, for example, or, or to get in better shape, you know that's a daily challenge. One I'm losing right now. I'll be honest with you. Right, you cannot improve your health by doing things a couple of days a week. If your objective is to strengthen your marriage, you already know it's an everyday thing, right? Like you, you, you cannot 
just love your spouse two or three days a week and think that's enough. No, you got to decide to do it what? Every day. Here, here's my point. If you want to be the type of person who doesn't lose heart, who doesn't give in to discouragement, you begin with a reality check. You remind yourself that problems of life will come and they're going to try to wreck you. They're going to try to try to mess you up every single day. And I have to deal with that every single day. We know when we get to heaven what a great day of rejoicing that will be. But until then, yeah, we're in a battle. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to get to heaven. Especially uh, wanting to get that glorified body, right? Right? Just because I'm pretty certain that that's way better than this, right? We're just going to have to face the enemy. We're, we're, we're going to have to be in the battle. We're going to have to get in the trenches. It's the way it is on this earth. There's a second reality that we all need to consider, and that is that the externals of life are secondary. Listen to what Paul says in verse 16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Let's just stop there for a second. Paul begins the chapter, if you go to verse 1, by declaring, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Then, then throughout the chapter, he describes all these death-like sufferings that he had to endure in the ministry. It's as, as if Paul now anticipates the question, how can you not lose heart? The ESV says, so we, the New American Standard Bible says, therefore. Therefore is a part of this answer. So we is a part of the answer because it points us back to what Paul just wrote. Paul just explained that his death-like trials made more for, for an effective life-giving ministry for the Corinthian believers. Knowing that made him not to lose heart in the midst of trials and suffering. And then he says, though outwardly we are wasting away. Like maybe he's being literal here or maybe it's a metaphor. At any rate, when he says hourly wasting away, he could be referring to the punishment that his body has taken over the years. Right? The stripes, the stones, the hungry days, the sleepless nights. He might be saying, I don't know how much more this body can take. It's just wasting away. And boy, can I relate to that. How about you? Except for you younger people, right? You can't. <laughs> it's all I could to get out of bed this morning, right? Knee hurts, back hurts. Dude, it's wasting away. As we get older, even without the physical persecution that Paul endured, our bodies just get tired, right? Our health takes a left turn. Our energy diminishes. We become very aware that there are fewer days ahead than what's behind. We also realize as we get older that, that, that our bodies don't define who we are, right? Like I'm not defined by my physical limitation. I, I won't lose heart just because I'm getting older because today I feel more alive than ever. 
Paul could be talking literally here, but he also could be using a metaphor when he says our outwardly, that we're wasting away. Maybe he's not just talking about the physical body here. Maybe he's talking about every aspect of life in, in the real world, the culture that we live in. Right, out of control situations that we face, emotional battles we experience, the attack from the enemy that we must endure. Paul is challenging us here to remember that just like the body is not as important as the soul, the exterior, the external things of life, the physical things are not as important as eternal things, as, as the spiritual things. We are in the world, and we have to deal with the things of the world on a daily basis. But Jesus said this in John 17, 14, and 15. He said, I have given them to your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world. Just like I am, am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. The prayer of Jesus cautions us against seeking refuge in Christian isolation, right? Our goal is to be in the world, but not of it. Or, or, or not of the evil one. Even as a ship is to be in the ocean, it's not good if the ocean is in the ship. Our hope is, that it is not in the external things, not, not in the world. It's not in what we earn or what we own or what you achieve. You'll always be Susceptible to, to frequent bouts of discouragement if that's the case. Jesus definitely wanted us to be in the world, but he did not want us to be evil or marked by the evil one. Jesus didn't pray that we'd be taken out of the battle, but that we'd be strengthened and protected in the battle. Part of the problem, or part of the, the protection, is knowing that the externals of life are a moving target. There's ups and downs. You go left, you go right. You go here today, there tomorrow. If you always have to be on the upswing of success to be happy, you will find yourself often on the verge of losing heart. Like we just talked about this in our life group this last week. That the world tells us that success and happiness is what life is all about. And without those things, then we're unhappy. Now, I'm not saying don't be happy, right? Don't, don't misunderstand me here. Like, we don't need a bunch of Christians running around with, like, frowns on their faces all the time, right? But happiness just isn't the goal, right? God's way more, I say this all the time, God's way more concerned about our holiness than he is our happiness, But as believers, we just need to share that no, the externals is not what life is about. We need to share that Jesus is enough, that Christ is sufficient, that joy is better than happiness. And we need to share that with those that don't know Christ. And guess what? We need to remind each other as Christ followers this truth that Jesus is enough. It's all about Jesus and what he did for us on the cross Hebrews 13 14 says for we have no lasting city but we seek the city that is to come the eternal last the world doesn't 
1 John 2, 15 and 17, do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Here, here's the point. This is the second reality check. Many of us spend our entire lives pursuing things that don't matter at all in the grand scheme of things. The things of the world are secondary. It is the intangibles and the invisibles that matter the most. All right, brings us to the third reality that each of us will need to confront if we want to avoid losing heart, and that is renewal needs to happen on a daily basis. Listen to what Paul says, last part of verse 16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. And then listen to this last part right here. Our inner self is being renewed, what? Day by day. Paul said before he faces death on a daily basis, he doesn't lose heart because inwardly he's being renewed on a daily basis. Someone got all over motivational speaker Zig Ziglar for saying that the problem with motivation is that it doesn't last. Ziglar said, no, it doesn't, but neither does bathing. That's why you do it every day, right? It's the same thing with being renewed. It's not a one day a week. It's not a Sunday event, right? It needs to happen, what, every day. We have this tendency to run on empty as long as we can, exhausting every resource until there's nothing left to go on. And then you know what happens? We go into panic mode. And then we say, God, give me a break. Give me a second wind. Right? If you're always running on empty until you take action, you will always be on the verge of emotional exhaustion, which leads to discouragement, which causes us to what? Lose heart. So this morning, I'm going to challenge you to embrace this third reality check. Commit, like the Apostle Paul, to being inwardly renewed on a day-to-day basis. But how do you pull that off? What do you do? Let me give you three strategies for inward renewal day by day. The first one is to renew your mind. Paul said this in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Right? To do that, we reject who we are. We step away from our former selves, Paul writes, and we're to focus on who we are to become. We are focused on becoming more and more like Jesus. Renew your mind. means to remind yourself on a daily basis that God didn't create you for the purpose of pursuing accolades or acquisitions, right? He created you, as Romans 8, 29 says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son to become more like Jesus in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So how do you experience renewal of the mind? You take charge of what you see and what you hear and what you say, and you quit staring at your phone all the time, right? You quit reading every toxic piece of propaganda out there. You stop listening to music that doesn't build you up. You refuse to participate in conversations that tear people down. Instead, you spend time in the word of God. You watch uplifting programs. You listen to empowering teaching, right? You steer conversations in a positive direction. You make it a point to think only thoughts that are consistent with what you believe about the goodness of God. 
That's why Paul said in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Right? It's just hard work, y'all. And it needs to be done every day. This leads us in the second strategy for renewal, and that is to renew your spirit. Right, you do this by spending time alone with God each day. This includes, as I mentioned, time in the Word. It also includes time in prayer, time in worship. Earlier, I mentioned Warren Worsby. He once said, the most important meeting we have is to attend that daily personal meeting with the Lord before the day begins when worship and meditation increase our faith as we receive our orders for the day. Our time alone with God just includes these moments of quiet reflection. The Old Testament word for meditation, it's not a complicated process. You just take a few minutes, just sit in silence. I know that's hard, right? Because we live in this world that we don't like to sit in silence. You just sit there. And let me be clear this morning, that means you're not talking. And you just focus your thoughts on God. You, you can think about God's mercy or his grace or his love. Think about his promises. Think about, or, or just sit there and think about him in general. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. That will renew your mind and it will renew your spirit. Here, here's the last strategy is to renew your heart. Right, to just renew your heart. This, this, this kind of means, you know, that just to have joy in, in your life. Maybe it looks like spending time with a friend or listening to uplifting music or watching a, a TV show that's funny. You know, you can laugh, y'all. It's okay. Just renew your heart. Live with some joy. There's an Irish proverb that said a good laugh and a long sleep are the best cures in the doctor's book. It reminded me of what Solomon said, Proverbs 17, 22, a joyful heart is good medicine. Apostle Paul experienced day-by-day day renewal of the heart because he pursued his, his life and he pursued relationships. And when he couldn't be with the believers that he loved so much, he would think about them and he'd pray for them and he'd thank God for them and he would write letters to them. He, he wrote to the church at Rome, and he said this in Romans 1, 11 and 12, for as long as I see you, that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Are we encouraged by one another's faith? You know, that's one reason why we gather together on a Sunday morning, just to be encouraged by one another's faith. Faith. Right, right, we get a cup of coffee, we get a donut, we go out and chat. I'm encouraged by your faith. One of my favorite things to do is to stand up here on a Sunday morning and turn around, you're all wondering, why am I looking? I love to see God's church worship. That is like, like my favorite thing to do, just to see you all worshiping God. I should be encouraged by that. 
One of the beautiful psalms ever written, King David said this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. God wants to lead you to green pastures. He wants to refresh and restore your soul. And when we make it a point to be renewed in him on a daily basis, discouragement doesn't have a chance because your tank is always full. That's why Paul could say we never lose heart. And I, I get it. We have reason to lose heart. Our world's a mess. It's a never-ending battle day after day, but our hope is not in the things of this world. Our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and what? His righteousness. And through the power of the resurrection and through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we are renewed every day. Our mind is renewed, our spirit is renewed, and our heart is renewed. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word today. And God, before we can do any of this, maybe there's somebody here this morning that just needs to take that first step. The first step of, uh, of just accepting Christ into their heart and into their life. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to just to do that. Just, just to confess with your mouth and to believe in, in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. Just take a moment. God, thanks for your word today. God, I pray that as your people, as a church, that we would not lose heart. God, I pray that we would every day renew our heart and renew our soul and renew our mind. And God, as we do that, prayers that we would be obedient to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.